the world simply can't afford models that aren't ad funded, um, at least not not you know as a mass population. Not only will they be ad funded, but the way the technology is going, they will use data at a scale that we cannot even imagine today. And yet here we are dealing with all manner of privacy and ethical challenges related to data. Hello and welcome to the Media Leader Podcast. It's Omar Oaks here and this is our final podcast episode before the end of the year. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, Happy Saturnalia. Um, it has been a big year for commercial media and I think everyone in this industry needs a well-deserved break. I won't be having one as my wife's about to go into labour, but that's another story. Um, suffice to say that this podcast will go on a little break for a few weeks and we'll be launching season two of the Media Leader podcast from our new studio in the Media Leader's new HQ in St. Martin's Lane, London, just round the corner from Trafalgar Square. Um work was like, hey, Omar, why do you actually need a studio? You're doing okay podcasting from home. Well, okay, if you want the regular guest to be screaming baby in the background, fine. But come on, this isn't 2020. Let's have some production standards, people. Anyway, yes, what a year. What has happened? We now have ads on Netflix and Disney+. Plus. Top marks to anyone of you out there who predicted that would happen as we enter 2022. Um, what else has happened? ITV Hub has been replaced by ITVX, and ITV is actually launching programming on digital first before going on traditional broadcast channels. Um, Sky has launched a streaming stick. The BBC says it plans to go fully digital over the next decade. It's this momentous stuff, and that's only like the tip of the iceberg of all the things that have been happening this year. Check out the Media Leaders website, by the way, this week, where we have lots of year in review pieces. We've got top 10 most read news, top 10 most read opinion. We've got opinions also from across the industry on what the biggest story of the year was and which medium was the big winner. And remember also, you have to sign up to our daily newsletter, which is free. You have to do that to make sure you don't miss out. And don't worry, it doesn't contain loads of spam emails like some ad industry trade media. You know who I'm talking about. <coughs> All of them. <coughs> um, so anyway, yes, a big year for media. Generally, lots of development around digital media products, whether it's new streaming apps, new ad formats, or if you're meta, a whole new metaverse, which I still can't work out what that means exactly, but, you know, we'll keep monitoring it. So what do media companies and advertisers need to watch out for as this digital ecosystem continues to mature and get even more complicated? To find out, I sat down with Jamie Barnard, who is CEO of privacy and data compliance platform Compliance. And Jamie used to be Unilever's general counsel, i.e. their boss lawyer, for global marketing and media. So as you can imagine, Jamie is as clued in as anyone can be about how big advertisers handle data privacy, um, user privacy and ethics. So regular listeners will know that trust in media is one of the core issues that the media leader is going to champion in 2023. And this is is obviously central to that. So once again, have a fantastic holiday period, whatever you get up to. We'll be back in the new year. But for now, here is my conversation with Jamie Barnard. So I'm here with Jamie Barnard. Jamie, thanks for joining the Media Leader podcast. Really good to have you here. Um, so 
for anyone who doesn't know you, um, talk. Who are you? Talk about your career today. Have you ended up where you are in the world? <laughs> I'm getting used to hearing my name as media leader. I guess it's like being on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here and realizing you are in fact now a celebrity. Not that I'm a celebrity, of course. <laughs> I'm just a. Well, I, I was going to say I'm a lawyer, but I suppose these days I'm not not even a lawyer. Uh, I'm the CEO of a technology company called Compliant. It's really here to try and help brands and publishers simplify privacy compliance across their media supply chain, which is, of course, easier said than done. Okay, we'll get into a bit of that. But so digital media is your specialty and your focus. What's the biggest problem do you think that digital media faces right now? (laughs) Okay, well, there's a lot to choose from there because unfortunately digital media is a very complex machine. I mean, without doubt, I think the biggest challenge in digital media right now is, I hate to say it, privacy, of course. Uh, I think the there are three massive forces at play in digital media. You know, there's the, there's the experiences and the functionality that make our online experiences so, so exceptional. Um, but they are always in tension with law and policy. Uh, you know, obviously, all the privacy regulations that we're, we're so familiar with, and of course, human rights uh, and ethics as well. Uh, and I think, given the nature of digital media and the complexity and the number of intermediaries involved, and the speed at which it happens, and the the difficulty of transparency in in what is happening, it makes it makes for a very complex and challenging time so obviously working at unilever um first of all tell us what you did when you were at unilever what was your role as a lawyer so i was a uh, i started out as a marketing lawyer in about 2006 Uh, i became unilever's first digital media lawyer in fact probably one of london's first digital media lawyers in about 2010 uh, and then spent 10 years on the front line of digital media, digital marketing, uh, working with the CMO office, trying to navigate all the most difficult um, issues that we were we would face from cross-media measurement and viewability to ad fraud and uh, you know online hate speech and all you know all the new products and tools that all the technology platforms would put out from time to time. And so what so you so you're across all the, the 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 potential pitfalls that you know all the issues that you mentioned just now whether it's ad frauds wastage um looking back on your time there if you could do it all again what would you've changed what would you have advised differently <laughs> I remember Keith Weed once said to me the best advice I ever gave him sorry Keith was our chief marketing officer and the best advice he ever gave me Jamie just stop worrying about things. <laughs> honestly, I'm not. I'm not sure I would have done any of it differently. Um, honestly, most of the time, it, it felt less like dealing with problems, and much more like, how do we make this happen? Um, you know, the, the beautiful thing about digital marketing is, from one week to the next, there is always new technology, new solutions, new ways of doing things, new ways of improving the experience. Um, But of course, to make those things a reality in the marketplace, you have to work through 
intellectual property issues. You have to work through people's rights and expectations. Uh, you have to integrate AI and machine learning and make sure that that's done in a way that doesn't perpetuate bias or exclude people unfairly. You know, there's all, all manner of um, challenges that you have to work through to make it happen. But the joy is is seeing it all in practice. You know, I, I'm a, I, I'm such an advocate for uh, the modern internet, um, but, you know, we have a responsibility to make sure it's safe for all of us. Yeah. Um, how, how did it work in practice? Because um, obviously a huge advertiser like Unilever will work with a media agency, worked with WPP's Mindshare for many years. So in terms of, you know, wanting to to put loads of ads on digital media and using different sorts of platforms, and obviously advertisers are very keen to reach the young people who are using less and less traditional media and more of the social media platforms, for example. A lot of these issues you've mentioned in terms of privacy and ad fraud, where do you step in in terms of that process where an advertiser uses an agency and has a media plan and wants to buy lots of media on different platforms? And where where do you come in when you kind of see the see the dangers and and make the warnings for the CMO? Yeah, so I've always had rather an unusual job um, insofar as I've been so far out on the front line of marketing. Um, so typically, I would be involved. Uh, so, you know, if you look at different tools over the years, like when Facebook developed custom audiences, for example, I was working with them in beta. So we would work through a lot of these problems before they would even hit the market. Um, so, you know, whether you're looking at new platforms uh, and concerns over brand safety, for example, uh, over fears that, you know, there might be scope for inadvertently collecting data from children you know all of these issues we tend to be looking at a long long way in advance and of course i'm not speaking for unilever you know as you know i left unilever um, but it was a huge part of my life and a, and a period that i'm extremely proud of because i think the last 12 years in digital media have really been uh have seen virtually the, the evolution of the internet as we know it and explain compliance this company that you've set up that you run and how wh where do you want where do you want to take things what's if we if we're speaking in five years time what do you regard as a win for your business <laughs> yeah that's a good question so i mentioned those kind of three forces at play earlier uh, you know the idea that the law is in tension with technology uh, and both are in tension with people's rights and expectations uh, I think if I look ahead, Omar, you can be certain of two things. The future of the internet will still be ad-funded, uh, even if we fast forward as far as Web3 and beyond that, even the metaverse. The world simply can't afford models that aren't ad-funded, um, at least not, not you know, as a mass population. Not only will they be ad funded, but the way the technology is going, they will use data at a scale that we cannot even imagine today. And yet here we are dealing with all manner of privacy and ethical challenges relating to data. My vision for the company is to help brands and publishers navigate that road ahead. 
simplifying and automating privacy compliance so that CMOs can really focus on creativity and consumer experience. Um, if you look at a, a good modern website today, where there's that kind of, where they have all the best functionality, it might be shoppable content or programmatic ads or personalized content or chatbots or even, you know, really far out things like virtual dressing rooms where you can see uh, your new sunglasses without leaving the comfort of your living room. When you when you were working with websites like this, the amount of intermediaries and vendors invo involved create these complex data flows. And it's becoming rapidly clear that in future, achieving a high degree of discipline and compliance across that media supply chain manually is impossible. The only way we can achieve compliance is through automation. And we're here to try and help brands and publishers navigate that. Do you get the sense of advertisers in general, do you get the sense that they are aware of the full extent of all the privacy issues that lie out there? Or is it more a case of they're aware of it, but they're not sure what to do about it and it's a big mess and I've got a hundred other more important things to do? Um, I think not only are advertisers aware of uh, the difficulties and the challenges, but frankly, so are the, the regulators. In fact, I would go as far as to say that the regulators are ahead of the industry now, having spent years investigating different elements of the ad tech stack in different markets. Um, even the regulators understand the friction points. Uh, they understand where the kind of use of data is intrusive and disproportionate. And they've told the industry that the way we operate today is, is simply not good enough. The problem is, and you know, I'm going to use a metaphor that I've used a few times recently, is the ad tech stack is like a Jenga tower. Some of the blocks in the tower need to be taken out for privacy reasons. You know, the way they function, the way they use data is inconsistent with people's expectations and frankly, in some cases with the law itself. The problem is that individual people inside companies are quite nervous about pulling out individual blocks of that Jenga stack because they're worried that the whole thing will come toppling down. In fact, even the regulators are being quite careful because the value of advertising in digital media is so important to commercial society that they don't want to crash the, gen the Jenga block either. I think really the only people with the authority to make the kind of wholesale change that's needed to improve privacy discipline across digital advertising is the CEO, sorry, the CMO. And it's very, very difficult and some tough choices have to be made. And when you say regulars in particular, we have in the UK, the Information Commissioner's Office, um, but a lot of these digital platforms um, are based in America. And is it more a case of American regulators needing to do more? So most of the tech platforms are in fact based in Ireland these days. Uh, they are American companies, but they all have a foothold in Europe because obviously they uh, collect and process an awful lot of European data. So it's the Irish Data Protection Commission that would 
um, have authority over the you know the big tech platforms. But I'm not talking about the big tech platforms. The regulators started with big tech and levied huge hundred million plus fines against all the big GAFA players and, and so on. But increasingly, they're moving their sites towards ad tech. Uh, Critio got a 60 plus million euro fine from the French Canal recently. Uh, there are investigations against other ad tech companies following complaints from the likes of Privacy International. And now we're seeing lots and lots of investigations and fines against brand owners and publishers too. And do you think that those penalties are stringent enough to enforce, to encourage better behaviour going forward? Yeah, I do, uh, frankly speaking. Um, you know, the reality is no uh, authority in Europe has the manpower or the resources to enforce every uh, infringement. Um, but typically, there are two two things come from these uh, these authorities. One is the fear of the fine itself. Um, you know, often when uh, a company like Grinder or Sephora receive a big fine, uh, or in the UK, British Airways, Marriott, and so on, it does two things. It sets the hairs running. People realise that you know that they are potentially at risk as well. You know, often the the compliance failures that end up in a fine are behaviours that are endemic across the industry. In other words, what Sephora got fined for is not exclusive to Sephora. The failure that they had um, is, is commonplace. And that's true of the fines levied against Instagram and WhatsApp and Amazon too. But also, every time there's a judgment, you learn from the judgment. You know, you, you see why they were fined, what the rationale is, what was acceptable and what wasn't. And every time that happens, the industry tends to move forwards a little bit more. And the World Federation of Advertisers have um, put out a data compliance white paper. Um, you Can you explain what is in there and why it's important? Of course, yeah. Increasingly, um, we're seeing uh, ethics rise up the agenda alongside data privacy and data security. There are many examples where uh, complying with regulation simply doesn't take us far enough as, as a digital society. And actually it's increasingly important for technology developers, platforms, publishers, advertisers who buy those services to apply a more ethical lens to the way data is captured and used. And there's plenty of examples out there of unethical practices creating quite unfortunate consequences for the end user. The problem is ethics is quite an abstract concept. Um, we put out a paper with the WFA in 2020 just to bring the importance of ethics to life in advertising. And that, that paper is still available through the WFA website. It's called The Rise of Morality and Technology. Uh, and you know, fast forward to 2022, I think over 90% of the CMOs that they interviewed acknowledged that ethics was an extremely important part of being a marketer now. Um, but 50% of the CMOs didn't really understand how to implement ethics in practice. So the second paper that the WFA have just published is looking at four ways 
um, that CMOs can really uh, put ethics into practice. And, and they broadly split across your supply chain, you know, making sure that you work with partners and suppliers who themselves are using data in ethical ways. Uh, and, and again, that's not as easy as it sounds, but you know, if you work with good suppliers, then you will end up uh, less exposed to those kind of ethical challenges. Of course, the CMO is responsible um, for bringing lots of tools and technologies into the business um, and making sure that those data-related marketing practices are consistent with consumers' expectations around the ethical use of data. The third one is looking at AI and machine learning. You know, an awful lot of advertising services these days use AI and machine learning, uh, you know, to, to, to deliver advertising amongst other things. Machines are brilliantly clever, can ingest an awful lot of information in a millionth of a second, but they don't apply any judgment. They don't apply any ethics or emotion or humility, and they will do whatever works. So using AI does actually require an awful lot of process to ensure that the end product is, is ethical as well as legal. And finally, of course, and most importantly, is to foster a culture of ethics within your organization, because ultimately the use of data comes down to choices. Uh, you see a lot of dark patterns all over the internet where you know, engineers have designed things to be easy to enter and very hard to exit. Uh, it's easy to consent. It's very hard to opt out. You know, these things are, are not accidents of design, um, but they, you know, increasingly these ethical choices need to be reevaluated. Fascinating. It sounds like, um, are you suggesting that maybe a lot of marketers would benefit from doing a, a course in ethics or philosophy? Honestly, it's much easier than that. I would say it's more for a CMO to create psychological safety for people to be able to stand up and say, I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, I think that we're making the wrong choices here. We should move towards pro-privacy solutions. So uh, I think people understand what is right and wrong, especially marketers. Uh, I think we're under an awful lot of pressure, though. Uh, you know, numbers, uh, reach engagement, whatever it might be, is making it very hard for people to break away from the crowd, uh, suffer the short-term consequences of decisions which are better for society in the longer term. And I think that's where you know, trade associations like the WFA can try and move industries forward because you know, we all know that industries move like herds. You know, we don't People don't run out from the pack. You know, we tend to trust as a team sport. So it's really important, actually, that we have collaboration across the industry to try and move towards a pro-privacy Web3. Well, yes, that's right. And it's a very competitive industry. And a lot of people hearing this might think, well, that sounds great, Jamie, but you're, you're kind of asking me to do a lot of proactive and difficult stuff where a lot of my rival competitors might not be doing the same thing. So I'm actually putting myself at a potential competitive disadvantage. So how would you, how would you respond to that? That's, that's always been the case. Uh, I think it's actually less the case today than it has been certainly in the last uh, five years that I've been working in this space, because I think these days there are options 
you know, as we have faced the long-awaited demise of the third-party cookie, uh, it's triggered innovation in the marketplace. And I think marketers have more choice now and have more choice uh, that's more pro-privacy but less likely to suffer um, fatal consequences. Uh, so I think brave marketers are actually making better choices and, and the innovation is coming. And one of the things the media leader um, is um, mandated to do, if I can say that in um, 2023, is to champion trust in media. We had a big conference where we had lots of debates and votes about the three most important things in media that a publication like ours should be championing. And trust in media was very high up on um, the, the list of priorities. So with everything that we've just been talking about, what would you suggest is a good tactic or strategy in terms of bringing advertisers and agencies together so that they all kind of move towards this paradigm that you're talking about? Uh, I think it starts and it ends with transparency. Um, I think you'd be surprised how few publishers and website owners really understand the intermediaries and the data vendors that are operating within their media supply chain. And without that level of transparency, it's very hard to build the kind of discipline uh, between you and your, uh, your data vendors and your agencies. Um, the dynamic between the advertiser and the agency is shifting. Uh, I think the demand for first party and second party data has meant more direct trading between the advertiser and the platforms. Um, but of course, they haven't historically had the relationships with the publishers, um, but now with the data flows, it creates a new uh, it creates new relationships, and and ones which require quite a lot of legal analysis. Um, you know, sharing data with each other comes with considerable risk if it's not done correctly. Um, so making sure you have that visibility, uh, you have discipline with the people that you're working with from a data perspective is absolutely crucial because without it, um, there will be blind spots and you will get tripped up uh, when the regulators come hunting Fascinating. And just finally, what's your advice for people coming into this industry, coming into media and marketing? Um, we've talked about a lot of stuff just now, which will require a lot of skills. Um, what's your advice for people coming into this industry? Whether were they, were they, what are they going to be need to be armed with? Yeah. Okay. My advice would be uh, not to get drowned in all the negative talk about what isn't working. I think the future for digital marketing is actually really bright. Um, I think, yeah, there are, there are challenges, but it's like you say, how do you eat an elephant? You know, the only way to eat the elephant is one bite at a time. You know, we mustn't look at all of these challenges as as indications that it's it's a broken system. Um, I think the modern marketeer has a lot on their plate, um, not just the technology and the the data and competing with the demand for creativity uh, but understanding that this is part of being a marketeer understanding that the responsible use of data the responsible choices uh, you know ethical partnerships all of these things is just part and parcel of being a modern marketeer thank you very much jamie barnard thanks for coming on the media leader my pleasure
Thanks again for listening to the Media Leader podcast. And there's more of where that came from on our website, the-media-leader.com is our website. You can sign up to our daily newsletter in the UK and weekly roundup of media in the US. You can also find us on YouTube where we are posting video interviews and clips from our live events, our LinkedIn page where people like to comment on the things that we're posting and Twitter where all our stuff is pretty much pumped out like a beautiful fountain of media industry content. That's it. Catch you next time. Bye-bye.